Hi, you're listening to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. This week we talked for so long about How to Train Your Dragon 2 that we actually decided to put it out as two episodes. So if you want to listen to our discussion of the latest animation news and what we've been watching, you'll find that in episode 8A. Um, and what you're about to listen to now is just our discussion of How to Train Your Dragon and nothing else. And it probably goes without saying that this episode contains some pretty major spoilers for How to Train Your Dragon 2, but also the first one, and a little bit of spoilers for Big Hero 6, and also The Lion King, if you haven't seen that. Uh, so, just to give you a heads up, I hope you enjoy the show. Cheers, how are you? Hi! Awesome. Hello. <laughs> I'm doing well. How's everything? Dean Deploy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am a huge fan. Like, <laughs> I can kick off with my history. Oh gosh, quite the history. Uh, well, you know, the first one came out in 2010, and I remember when I first saw the trailer, I didn't think much of it. Actually, I didn't want to see it at all. And my sister was obsessed with dragons at the time, so I reluctantly took her to go see it in 3D, and I ended up loving it more than she did. <laughs> <laughs> which was kind of ironic because I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, so that kind of spiraled and I ended up seeing it four times in the theaters just because the, the character of Hiccup just blew me away with his sarcasm. He's just so funny. 
and everything, but you kind of enjoy watching his growth through the film. And then the flight scenes are astounding, especially if you see it in 3D. They're breathtaking. And there's just so much heart in this movie. It just, it's unreal. So I was really excited when they announced the TV series coming out and just how much of the cast they retained of that. So I went to the panel on that at San Diego Comic-Con, and I think it was 2012 they announced that. And I watched the series, and it's all right. It does some good uh, character exploration, some good development, working towards the second film. And then we see the announcement of the second film and the whole fact that they did a time jump of, I think, five years, was it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a time jump of five years, so Hiccup's about 20 now. Um, in the sequel, and I actually got to see um, a preview of the sequel in April of last year at WonderCon. I saw an hour, yeah, I saw an hour-long preview of it, um, and it was it was really amazing how they did it. It wasn't in 3D, and they didn't have the score completely done yet, so they took pieces of scores from other films and did use them as placeholders. So it's funny because my friend, my friend who and I, who, who went with me, um, we were actually able to determine where each score piece came in. So they came from, I'm sorry. So they had different pieces from like Pirates of the Caribbean, Harry Potter. There was a piece from Atlantis, the Lost Empire. Like they pulled from all these different movies as placeholders. But we were really blown away by the second film. And even my friend who hadn't really seen the first one was really blown away by it too. And they, the hour, they cut it off right before the major battle scene in How to Train Your Dragon 2. It's like they're walking, the the the, tree, the whole family's walking back into Valka's um, home to figure out their plan for this huge battle, and then it just cut to black, and everyone's like, no! <laughs> so, yeah, that was um, interesting. And then I actually got to meet Dean Dubois, too, at, that, at WonderCon. Yeah, and he's... He's really down to earth and he's really humble. Um, it kind of cracked me up because after I got my poster signed by him and Jay Baruchel was there with him too, the voice of Hiccup as well. So I got my poster signed by both of them. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to get a picture and Dean leaned out thinking I only wanted a picture with Jay Baruchel. And I was like, oh, no, 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 you too. <laughs> you too. <laughs> everything. So I think that's what you've been dealing with all day and everything, which it kind of makes me sad because like these – the animators and these directors don't get as much recognition as they should and anything. And I think, I think he really deserves all the recognition that he gets and then some. Um, and then, yeah, I got to see the sequel actually about a week before release. Cause I have a friend who works at DreamWorks. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, she works on a show. I can't say what it is yet or else she'll murder me. Um, <laughs> she works on a series. I can't, talk about yet because she'll, she'll is, murder is, me is it, is it is it a spin-off of a, a movie i'm not saying anything <laughs> <laughs> so yes i i'm scared of her <laughs> i i i so if she hears this she'll be like jillian um but no she invited me to the the friends and family screening um in downtown Los Angeles a week beforehand, so I went with her, and it was really cool getting to see the full movie for the first time with people who had actually worked on it and everything, and just getting to hear their reactions and everything, and um, especially when you sit through the credits and they see their name on the screen and they go nuts. Um, <laughs> it's so cute. 
But yeah, I mean, that movie, for me, it was even better than the first one. And, I mean, all building up to it, Dean had kept saying that thematically it was similar to The Empire Strikes Back in Star Wars and that it was darker and it dealt more with, like, kind of this journey of growth and everything in maturation Anything like we see Luke Skywalker become more mature throughout Empire Strikes Back. We also see the loss of Han Solo. And then in How to Train Your Dragon 2, we see um, Hiccup finally accept his responsibility as becoming chief of Burke. And also we see him lose his father stoic in a really tragic and really abrupt <laughs> way. Oh, I still can't get over that scene. Because yeah. it just... <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, just... Come on, the movie's been out. Yeah, like, please do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> please do. Like, oh, when I saw that scene, like, my heart just dropped to my stomach. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, you, you knew really it was harsh. coming. You knew it was I coming, have, but it was just I the way. No yeah. I was so, you had no idea? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, well, I, I read a lot of the fan theories, so... <laughs> And the, uh, one of the well, one of the things everyone was kind of agreed on was Stoic was probably going to get killed off because there had been kind of rumors that the character was getting killed off and he was the most likely candidate uh, for that. It was just I think it's the way they did it was so was what made it so painful because yeah, you don't even get exactly. a chance you don't e- you don't even get a chance to recover from it. It's like when it's it's very similar to how we lose Tadashi in Big Hero Six. And everything. I mean, one minute he's there, and the next minute he's gone. And you have very mm-hmm. little time to rebound from that, and you you're able to feel the character's shock and dismay over it. I think, and that's really powerful when yeah, you can because, successfully like, do within, that. Within like a few seconds, mm-hmm. uh, Toothless like comes to, yeah, and then Hiccup's like, "Go away!" Uh, and then oh. he does. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it does happen so quickly. It does happen so quickly. I mean, and it's just, it's astounding. And it's, when you think about it too, that family, um, with Valka, we see, I mean, we see the return of Hiccup's long lost mother after 20 years and everything. Valka, you gotta talk about her in a bit. But there, the whole family's only reunited for like right. 15 minutes in the film. And then Stoic's gone. Right. The, <laughs> yeah. The romance is rekindled even like you think. Yes. Oh, Oh, and it's so beautiful, too. I know. Those are some of my... That's that's probably my favorite sequence in the movie. When um, there are so many lovely, like, moments in the animation where um, where Stoic is sort of, like, re-seducing, I guess. You know, he's... (laughs) You know, know, where... Yeah, where he's um, working his magic. On, um, well, he's Bal- yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's not even doing it on purpose. He, he's not no. even doing it on purpose, though. He's just so in love with her. I know, and it's, it's really. I think cool. he is. I, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He, well, he does, but I mean, it's like it's really amazing to see this really big, like <laughs> foreboding guy. Like he, he's kind of been very domineering throughout the whole franchise, mm-hmm. and then the minute he sees Valka, he becomes so vulnerable and almost well, so they, small they, in her presence. Well, they mm-hmm. play on that when when he first sees her. Yeah, he approaches her, and she's like wincing, and um, she like flinches. She's she terrified. Thinks, like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that right. he's like gonna you know tear her head off or something. Well, you think he's just gonna be so mad at her for being gone for all these years and making them think that 
they, she's dead, but I mean, he immediately forgives her. He's just so exactly. happy to yeah, have her back. He's so, yeah, he's so enamored by her and, and yeah, cause she yes. thinks he's gonna freak out too. And yeah. him behaving that way is very, is very, um, in line with what the movie does so well is kind of taking these, so like the first movie was, was, um, the characters were great. Yeah. They, they had a kind of poetic simplicity to them. Mm-hmm. Stoic was pretty much one note. And having him like behave that way just yeah. gave him a lot of depth. And I think that's something that this movie does really well. It's, it, it truly just builds upon, um, yeah. what the last movie did. Exactly. Without and really it, looking back. No, it, it, you look back for maybe like five minutes when Hiccup's explaining during that whole initial montage about how they built up Burke to um, be uh, a home for the dragons and how they're in conjunction now with the dragons and everything and do the dragon racing. And during that whole five-minute spiel and everything with the dragon racing going on, you John Powell has this whole medley that he goes through of all the themes, major themes mm-hmm. from the first movie. And then you don't really hear them again because it's a whole new score now, too. And I think that was incredible that he right. really didn't recycle many of the themes. He just kind of used them as like a gre- warm greeting and everything for everyone. Like, okay, we're back and we're yeah. moving forward. Yeah. It's funny that you talked about the Star Wars, or the Star Wars analogy, because you know there's going to be another movie. Yeah, there's going. So there is. I mean, yeah, I know. I, I actually got to um, see a panel um, for the second movie for How to Train Your Dragon Part Two, um, and Bonnie mm-hmm. Arnold was there, and um, they, yeah, it was just cool. It was one of those Q and As where they, you know, showed a lot of the concept art and. Um, Oh. And they talked about the third. I know it was really cool. But, where um, where was this? At SVA, it was um okay. Yeah, one of these industry, another industry screening thing. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, through VES, but uh, you know, it's funny because when I saw it, uh, the twists and turns that they do with the character, they also do with all of the creatures. I mean, the creature animation is incredible. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing the first one. I think I was actually taking the creatures class at Animation Mentor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I saw this and I was just like flipping out, you know, I mean, <laughs> like all of the, I mean, the way, uh, the way his dragon, the way Toothless acts is mm-hmm. so um, surprising, right? When yeah. the, all the cat and lizard and uh, all these mm-hmm. different creature elements that they include in the mannerisms mm-hmm. of this dragon are they're beautiful, right? I mean, all right. the, the cat like, all the cat like, um, actions that they sort of give him, uh, mm. it is just fantastic. And the animation was so beautiful. But I remember really freaking out about that because, you know, at the <laughs> time I was like doing all these little thumbnails, like studying all these different creatures. And then you see that, you're like, holy moly, well, that's how yeah. it's done, you know. But it's so shocking, mm. you know, you don't expect, you're not expecting it. You're not expecting, it, you know. Toothless no. to act this way, um, and is you, he's immediately likable as a character. You just fall for him. Yeah, you do. No. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. They really hadn't really found their flow quite yet and everything, which they, they're still kind of struggling. Like they have, 
Um, they still haven't quite figured out exactly what they want to do because they have these great masterpieces like How to Train Your Dragon and Kung Fu Panda Mm -hmm. and Rise of the Guardians. And then you have these flops like Turbo and B-Movie and you're like, what were you thinking? (laughs) There is actually an interesting reason for that. And Hmm. um, I think, I'm not sure if this is still the case, but Hmm. certainly around the time that like Monsters vs. Aliens and things like that were coming out, I heard that DreamWorks have this thing where they have an A studio and a B studio. Oh, yeah. And they very much, like, say, like, these A studios are going to be our legacy pictures. And then the B studio are, like, making movies like, you know, probably movies like Megamind and um, Monsters vs. Aliens. Yeah, but Megamind and, was like, pretty good. <laughs> Megamind no, it, was it pretty was. good. It, it, it was. And also, don't forget, like, Lion King was, quote-unquote, Disney's B movie. So... Like, <laughs> It's not. Oh, I don't mean DreamWorks, Jerry Seinfeld B movie. I mean um, they they you know their main picture that they were making when Lion King was right. being produced was Pocahontas. Oh, and, I didn't and, know and that. The quote, and the quote unquote B movie, which had less money and less attention, ended up being a bigger you know end up having um, ended up having a, a bigger cultural impact than yeah. Pocahontas. A huh. really big. Yeah. Um, so, so it's not necessarily a bad thing, but DreamWorks, I, I feel like they, um, they're slightly less, you know, so with Pixar movies, which is unfortunately still the big comparison. Right. And I think you were kind of saying this last week, Chris, is, it, it, you know, when, when Disney and Pixar make sequels, they are, they are quite heartfelt endeavors. Mm-hmm. And they're not. And incidentally, How to Train Your Dragon Two does not feel like that at all. Mm-hmm. But it there jo- are other it things. drives the bar upward. Sorry, totally. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, but you know, DreamWorks is is run by Jeffrey Katzenberg, and he's mm-hmm. all about money, you know, and premium experiences of 3D, and you know, and different platforms, and trying to get like TV series and. All sorts, you know. He, he's into franchises. Mm-hmm. And Dream- well, it's it's very clear that they're into franchises because yeah. I mean, you look at all these franchises that they're building. I mean, Dragons itself is a pretty big franchise. They're still milking the Shrek franchise and everything. <laughs> um, that's going to get milked forever, I swear. Um, you have Kung Fu Panda has its own TV series on Cartoon Network. Um, yeah. What else? Turbo is technically a franchise because they have their little animated series on Netflix for that one. I mean, once they realize that something is a huge success, they turn it into a franchise, which with Dragons, it's been pretty good overall. Um, the TV series aren't amazing, but they're decent. They're entertaining. Um, but the other I mean, franchises I'm, I'm kind of like... I'm <laughs> quite pleased that they managed to protect yes. the, see, dra- um, the Dragons movies because... By now, yeah. they could have done, like, four. You know, they could have, but, or at least three. Well, it's very much you know? Dean DeBlois who's running that ship. I mean, mm. that ship. Because um, he's he only agreed to make the sequel, How to Train Your Dragon 2, if he could make a third film. Because he's always envisioned it as a trilogy. Right. And everything. And, again, using that thematical analogy to Star Wars. And in this third film, the interesting thing that is going to be explained is how the dragons disappeared. Which I'm just like, I'm going to bring a box of tissues for that. 
I am not looking forward to that. <laughs> but they really they, they take their time with this and everything. Um, yeah. And really Dean do. won't Dean won't let it be rushed, and he he won't if he doesn't feel that it's ready to release, he'll have them postpone the date. So I think the Kurt, the third and final film is set for I think I want to say a 2017 2018 release. Some websites say 2016. That is so not happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's too rushed. That would never happen. And also, DreamWorks still is just doing one theatrical film a year a year now, instead of aiming for I think it was like two or three. Now they're just focusing on one release per year. So next year's release is right. Kung Fu Panda three in January. Um, so exactly that sort of I mean, and I know DreamWorks has been like struggling as a studio because it is right. It is. I think that's kind of indicative that they're moving away from the whole A B movie. Yes. Um, you know, model. That they used to make movies on, because I think it's important, Chris, as you were like contextualizing the first movie here, mm-hmm. is that up until this point, like I think I want to say Over the Hedge or I'll, no, probably Monsters vs the Aliens was the DreamWorks movie previous to this, right? Um, yeah, oh, I was think it? so. Okay. Okay. Pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and <laughs> you know, um, I think that's... Because I remember watching the trailer for the first movie. Oh. Here we go. Monsters um, vs. Aliens was the one before it. Sorry. It was right. Before uh, I became Dragon. So, um, and I remember watching the trailer for the first movie in the cinema and like, there's this one shot where Toothless is like skipping, uh, uh, Toothless, um, Hiccup is like skipping in the woods and it's just like <laughs> beautiful, like he's almost like silhouetted and it's like, wow, wow, there's a shot like that in a DreamWorks movie where there's just, I don't know, it, it felt very much like they were saying, we're doing something different and yeah, it I... really was something different for them. It must have been the trailer I saw, because I think the trailer I saw was very much geared towards the younger children, so it made it seem very silly and everything and stuff, and very corny and everything, and that's not what it was at all. It has its silly moments, but it gets to some really dark places for the first one, and then it goes even darker in the second one. This is really dark. Um, <laughs> but, like, the first one, I mean, he loses his leg. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, there's a hilarious so awesome. story about that. I'm not sure if um if like um how do you say his name? Dean Deb Deb Dean Debloy. Debloy. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure that's it. I could be wrong. <laughs> well, well, basically, you know, uh, they um DreamWorks uh, test screen their movies mm-hmm. a lot. And, they do. I've been to a few of those. Yeah, and apparently, like, um, so as they were developing the first movie, they had this ending. And they were not sure how it was going to play. And apparently the executives were like up their nose about it and saying, you know, we're not sure about Hiccup losing a leg. That's really quite dramatic. Um, but it's also, oh, sorry, Dan, go ahead. That's all right. And, and apparently this one, um, so after, after the screening, they had like a little focus group and yeah. they were talking to the kids and they were saying, Hey, what do you think about the characters that they were funny or wasn't it funny when such and such happens and then they sort of moved down the list to the harder questions it's like what did you feel about the ending how did you uh, you know what did you and this one kid apparently stood up and he said 
Well, I didn't mind that Hiccup lost his leg because he might have lost his leg, but he certainly gained a lot. Uh, you know, he gained. Um, oh shit! I've fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> he's, you're on such a roll. He said, um, yeah, it, but he gained friendship, or you know, he gained a lot. He gained something a lot more important. Mm-hmm. And apparently, like you know, um, Chris Sanders and Dean Dubois just sort of like fist pumped, went, "Yes, he gets it." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, I thought that was something that was interesting because, uh, yeah, that was kind of a shocking, not shocking, but just slightly unexpected thing. To it's a very unexpected ending because you often see these heroes in these animated films come out of these things completely unscathed and everything. Yeah. And then here, Hiccups comes out of this thing, and just the reveal that he's lost his leg is shocking in and of itself and everything. Well, it's, you don't. It's, it's, it's consequence, which yes, is yes. It's a realistic things. consequence. It's one of the hardest things, uh, or you know, it seems one of like, one of the hardest things to show in mm. uh, in kids like movies and TV shows because you know you can't have like too much violence, you know, you can't have people you know dying and things like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard when you have these stories like based around fighting essentially because they're meant them they're Vikings. Right. Like, it's an occupational fighting. hazard. Right. <laughs> exactly. so, and, and, and also the second movie, I think, has even more of those moments. Um, yeah. For me, I was really, um, I was really impressed by, like, uh, DreamWorks letting them do a lot of the, you know, slightly hairier thematic things that they were doing with the second movie. And See. it kind of reminded me of, Mm-hmm. Do you know Harry Potter sort of matures yes. along. It matures and along the way, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I, so I think so, um, I'd be really interested to see what happens with the third movie. How far they? I think the third movie. I'd be interested to see one if they do another time jump. Or yeah, anything. They did I, such, I, which I. Yeah, they did they such did a great, great job. job aging him, right? I mean, yes, really, really wonderful. I mean, I yeah, I, I rewatched mm. the two back to back, and um, that was one thing that struck me <laughs> immediately. I was just like, oh yeah, I mean, that it was beautiful, really well done. Every they well aged done. them all really well, yeah. And yeah, even the detail amazing. that was yeah added because of the sophistication of the technology right. having improved. I mean, it was layered in um, really well. They well. used a whole new, like, yeah. You know, they used a new software called. They used to use this software called Emo, and then they started using this new software for the second film called Primo, <laughs> where they can oh, literally like yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's this whole huge technological deal for them where the animators could actually take a stylus and move the different aspects but <laughs> what they did do is they take the stylus and they can draw directly oh. i mean move, move manipulate the different aspects of um right of the characters individually right so yeah i did see that part yeah i did mm-hmm. see that part so that's that primo we talked about that a little bit that's cool yeah um i just i love how all the detail is kind of layered in i mean it's like none of the the style didn't change, you know, the place mm-hmm. was definitely recognizable and, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the characters, it's almost just like everything just got a slightly clearer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> more detail was added. Well, yeah. And then the yeah. flight scenes are even oh, more breathtaking. Christ. Going yeah. back to, <laughs> going yeah, back to Dan's second... point. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. 
about, um, I'm sorry, uh, about, about the, uh, movies getting progressively darker and everything. I actually went to a, a, a test screening for Mr. Peabody and Sherman, if you guys remember that movie from last year. And I was in the focus group for that afterwards. Huh. And one of the things that the one of the mothers brought up was the whole point that she felt that the movie was too dark for children. But out of out of this group of twenty adults and everything, everyone was like, "No, it's actually good for kids to see that kind of level of darkness and everything." She was the only dissenting opinion in our group and everything. So it seems that uh, parents are more willing to let their children watch these. Um, darker films because it does show um more of a realistic consequences and reality and does prepare mm. them for the real world and i mean when you think back about movies that you watched when you were a kid the ones that stick out to you are the ones with those really dark moments um mm-hmm. and those ones that were really heavily based in reality like i look back and i remember like the black cauldron and uh i remember the lion king that scene very well as a kid um yeah, and, uh, and even and even if they yeah. don't make sense to you as a kid, they still have you know they 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 sort of last, and then you might exactly. understand them a few years later, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and I, yeah, I think, I mean, incidentally, the sort of parent that you were just talking about there, who thought that Mr. Peabody mm-hmm. jumped was uh, was was too dark. Um, yeah, I haven't seen the movie. It's, incidentally, I'm just interested in how that. <laughs> it's got, it's got it has a few it has a few moments that can be interpreted as dark like, and everything like the Trojan War and everything when you think Peabody died and everything that's probably like, I think what that woman was referring to I see yeah I know right <laughs> No. <laughs> you, you are. So, yeah. I mean, we, we were all, everyone just kind of like gaped at her, like, wait, what? <laughs> even, the, even the marketing, um, but a, a I the remember, person from marketing. Even when the second movie, um, How to Train Your Dragon 2 came out, there were people who were saying, oh, the dragons were kind of big and quite scary for my four year old. It's like, well, what are you doing taking your four year old to go see this? It's PG. <laughs> Well, no, but this is the thing, though. Like, people don't always think. And I th- I like that this movie is kind of just doing those things. And yeah. quite clearly saying, yeah, this is a PG. This is a PG PG. Like a very like, hard PG. <laughs> um, yeah, quite hard, yeah. Like very heavy PG. <laughs> oh, wow. Right. Mm-hmm. How do you go? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It does go, it yeah. really does go all the way with it. It really you does. Have, you have the whole fallout, which mm-hmm. was really, um, 
it's really emotional it, when um yeah when you know mm-hmm. traditional when traditional like viking style um stoic is uh uh covered up on the um yes uh, that whole scene yeah. yeah oh my god just, off the top. <laughs> just tears <sighs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. It is. I mean, I I gotta say, I know it's really hard, you know, to do everything and not make a three hour movie. Yeah. You can't but, forgive them quite yeah. quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, yeah. Well, that's wasn't, exactly right. Yeah. But I think that you still probably would hold quite a strong grudge. Yeah, well, he, like, his whole thing again, is that he's this big peacekeeper and everything. That's what he not, sees himself yeah. as. But not only that, you see the two of them as, like, one being almost, mm-hmm. right? And so at the end of the first movie, you know, well, actually, that was, I'm thinking of something from the, I Actually, I watched part of the, like, Legends thing, and I think I just inserted some of that some of something else and I think I just changed the first movie in my mind a little bit but, <laughs> <laughs> that's weird that was weird um no but anyway at the beginning of the second movie like um they're almost like one being right because they're so mm-hmm. integrated you know the way well the, and if you um, if the you writing too. style is changed you know like so I think right. that had to do with it but but I remember when seeing um uh, the second movie and thinking like, my God, it has everything. It even has this mm-hmm. huge, like, it's like a monster movie, like ba- monster battle scene. That was amazing, right? The bewilder I mean, beast. Oh man. Incredible. And you just, you yeah. feel so gutted when Belka's bewilder yeah. beast loses and everything. Oh, and he gets, yeah. he gets, he literally gets gored on the screen. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it was way bloodier than, it, than what they were <laughs> able to show. Cause like the, the other bewilder beast <laughs> comes out and it's completely clean. And I'm like, yeah, that's not accurate, but this is a kid. Yeah, I'll let that yeah. go. <laughs> I, I was actually even a little bit confused by that because I thought, yeah, okay, so. Um, you, you, what were you confused about with it, Dan? Because I was looking for the blood <laughs> and I didn't oh. see it. Oh, so he's fine, fine then, right? And he just sort of pushed him with his head. No, no. It's, <laughs> I think that, I think it was solely because it, to keep it PG, you can't show that amount of blood. <laughs> And I think you already have like a lot of stuff in the movie that's already pushing that PG rating, and so I mean just the just the, the death of Stoic alone and everything, uh, and just how like sudden and traumatizing that could be for kids and everything. I mean that's like akin to the death of Mufasa in The Lion King. Like I have not, uh, I haven't been that sad about an animated I, death I think- in forever. Well, they did this in the second act. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, this was like more like the third act and everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, but they yeah. did. They were like, boom, <laughs> he did. <laughs> and you're just like, no, we just got everyone back together. They were it's almost like, happy that's almost family. kind of where, um, that's almost like Shakespearean. Yeah. Like have, have a, a turning point that late and then yes. for the whole thing to like race the ending. Mm hmm. Yes. Yeah. Right. Totally. Right. Yeah. Totally. Exactly. No. I, I mean, they, no, not really. It's a bittersweet ending. It's it's, it, it's absolutely bittersweet. 
an interesting thing that I noticed watching this movie last night was that it's it's got some really weird themes running through it. And essentially like, what happens is and, and, and this is one of the things that I think makes it, you know, actually really quite mature, is that at the start, Hiccup is so proud of being pacifist. And then he meets his mother, who is like this idealist pacifist. <laughs> um, you know, uh, essentially, uh, they modeled her. They modeled her after Jane Goodall with the, um, with the yeah, that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. Like, precisely. Yeah. <laughs> and then his actual lesson. I mean, because th- what triumphs in the end is eye for an eye. You know, <laughs> like. Um, I don't think it's exactly eye for an eye, though, because, I mean, he did give Drago a chance to, um, the chance to surrender, to, to, like, to realize that what he's saying is true, is that dragons are good and peaceful, and they're not meant to be used for war and everything. So he does give him the opportunity. I know. And and Drago completely rejects it. Well, you're not going to change Drago's mind. No, uh, you're clearly not. He is a madman. Yeah, and, and and the interesting thing is, in the end, what wins is... Is uh, toothless like going Godzilla and? <laughs> well, yeah, the Drago just tried to kill Hiccup. I mean, Hic- toothless is pretty pissed. <laughs> he is. He's like, you just tried to kill my buddy. <laughs> like, hello. So, so, what's really interesting about the movie is that Hiccup really changes a lot from yes. who he was at the start of the movie and who he was in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he turns into like a bit more of a fighter and an actual warrior, which is. I think if you go to the... And a chief. He becomes a chief. Exactly. He he accepts his role. Yeah. He accepts his role and he he accepts that, you know, keeping the peace does not always mean not fighting. Exactly. But he does... I think that was a really, um, like, interesting thing for them to deal with. Because it's kind of unavoidable if you want to defeat someone as, like, powerful as... as, um, Is it Drago or Drago? Drago. Drago, um, Bloodfist. Blood, you know. Bloodfist, yeah. <laughs> Not Bloody yeah, Fist. <laughs> so, I thought that was a really interesting, uh, like thematic undercurrent to the movie. Yeah. Um, well, it's like, it's, it's almost like a tragic undertone and everything mm-hmm. because he, he yeah. loses this innocence Definitely. and everything. It, it, I mean, it's whatever true. innocence he retained from the first movie, it's gone. And everything. Like people were saying, like you, he had like kind of like a this kind of shine in his eyes almost at the start of the second film, and it's like you see his face close up and towards the end of the second movie when he's like looking at that statue they've made of his father, and it's gone. And everything you can see that like that Mm. kind of sadness behind it and everything. Like he, Mm. but he becomes overall like a balance, a kind of a, a good balance between a fighter and a peacekeeper and everything. He's not quick to jump the gun and start a war like his father was. And everything, because the minute his father hears that Drago Bloodfist is back, he's like, "Oh, we gotta go to war." <laughs> and everything. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah, it just well, but, but he was, but his father was actually trying to protect them. Right? Yeah, he was. His first impulse was to sh- shield everyone in the castle. Yes, a right? chief to protects pull, their own. Right <laughs> to pull up the gates and and not necessarily to mobilize and. Uh, that was his next thing, though. Right. He was telling Hiccup, "I must prepare you for war." Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So it's like it's like his his initial instinct was like, "Okay, I need to protect my people, and we got to go to war and defeat this guy." Which just, I mean, and then um, and then you look and see Valka when she's told of Drago, and her initial impulse is to protect her own, but not by going to war, just by right. keeping to themselves and everything. 
So right. it, I think Hiccup becomes this balance between his parents and everything of knowing when to fight and when to be a peacekeeper. And he learns the hard way. Yeah. He loses his father in the process. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, oh, gosh, it was Valka. I could talk all day about Valka. And then, yeah. <laughs> could, you, could you guys have imagined anyone else in that voice acting role besides Kate Blanket? <laughs> yeah, she was really, really perfect. Like the role was pretty much written for her because Dean actually approached her at the Academy Awards the year that How to Train Your Dragon was nominated and told her about the role and everything, wanting her to sign on. What? Ah. It does fly around, like, oh, Australia yeah. and then Scotland uh, and then back again. Just fly her. I could... <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I shouldn't speak. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I was so into like her, her. I think her performance was really good. Yeah, and, it's funny because usually the accent sorry. thing bugs me too. Like I'll I'll notice it and go like, Ugh. I didn't. But hmm. for some reason, I think it's because of her characters and she's so like the acting choices in the animation are so wild and weird. Yeah, it seemed okay for me that um, I don't know. Her voice was a little weird and off <laughs> i don't know well, it's supposed to be because stick out yeah she seems like supposed she could to be have been she's, isolated she's been isolated for 20 years mm-hmm. and everything with no social contact whatsoever except with these dragons so she's very like when you see her like interacting with him and then especially with stoic she's very like reserved and very um nervous and vulnerable and like very unsure of herself and everything mm-hmm. and then as the film progresses she comes out of her shell essentially right, and is more accepting right. Whereas when she's with the dragons, she's more she's, she's that full on herself. mystery, yeah, yes. that mystery figure riding she's the com- dragons, like standing up, completely in her element, so yeah, yeah, wild. When she's yeah. just standing up, yeah. So I love that scene when she first, like, when she and Hiccup first run into each other in the sky and everything. Oh, so good. Oh, that whole the lighting <laughs> and the music mm-hmm. and everything. It just it. Oh, that's yeah. so beautiful. But you know, they actually intended her originally to be the villain. Of the film. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that would have been hardcore. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. I'm okay, I'm okay yeah. with that. I think the characters in you know the um uh the family are an interesting enough bunch of characters to carry this movie exactly as it is, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with the fact that mm-hmm. Drago is a little bit um pantomime, you know, in his um motivations, and he's just you know a baddie and not an interesting yeah. villain. 
Um, he's a he's an interesting villain in the sense that he's kind of a foil for Hiccup because he's what Hiccup could have become and everything if he hadn't um, become friends with Toothless and everything. Because you look at Drago and Hiccup has vastly different responses to the dragons. Drago sees them as something that needs to be controlled, whereas Hiccup yeah. sees them as something that some something that needs to be befriended and trained and everything and treated as an equal and everything. And like they both had similar experiences. They both lost limbs of their off their body they both i'm sure have lost i mean you know drago lost his family and i'm sure hiccup lost people that he knew too in the dragon attacks on the village in before um the events of how to train your dragon one but i mean they're just vastly different responses to their situations so i kind of see drago as the opposite of hiccup well except i'm not sure that i I, i'm not sure that hiccup i i think that hiccup would have turned into anything like that. I mean, they don't seem very similar. No. I mean, it seems, it seems like Hiccup just, if he had never met Toothless, he would have just been, I don't know, not, he would have not become chief. He would have been lost in the back room. I don't know, making, sword, making shields or whatever. But if <laughs> not he had quite, hey, yeah, not quite Yvonne, able to wield the sword or, or wield Yvonne, the but let me, pro- <laughs> let me propose this. So what if he had actually sure. killed Toothless in the first film? Yeah, I don't, I, think he, what if, I don't think he could have. I don't think he, I mean. I know he just, couldn't have, but I'm yeah. just saying, what if he had? What if he yeah. had? And I in this whole alternate reality. How it is. He, no, he, he's, maybe he's, if he would have killed him was... with the machine, you're saying. Like, maybe instead <laughs> of injuring him, he would have, like, hit him right in the brain and knocked him out of the sky and killed him. Wow. That I could see happening. But the whole killing, stabbing in the heart, I think he was too much of a wuss to do that. I don't I think, think he was more of a wuss. He just, he saw Toothless and he saw how afraid he was of him. And he, I mean, right. he says he looked at him and he saw himself. And that's Hiccup he... saying he saw how... But he even the way he like approached, he like he wasn't the kind of guy that was a sword wielder. He he made Mm-mm. he invented machines to kill things. So right. I don't think he would have had the guts to actually stab him. I mean, I do think obviously there were other things involved about you know, and and he became stronger and and grew mm-hmm. into what he was. But I think yeah, if he would have asked, if he would have killed Tithos, it would have been with that machine. Like the right. chain of events would have been different right at that moment, and he would. Have just and then what have turned dead. out? Would he have admitted? Now, this is the interesting part. Would he have admitted? Uh, that's where it could have been. Okay, I changed my mind. I think he could have turned into that other guy if he <laughs> killed Toothless with the machine and then, um, and then acted as though this big event had happened and it was all sort of based on this lie of him accidentally killing it. You know what I mean? And right. And like taken this lie and then they would have praised him. However, that's and, the thing, though. In yeah. his environment, he was—he would not have been shunned. He would have just Mm-mm, been right. Helped, he like would have been praised. Yeah, he would have been really praised. Viking. Right. Um, uh, I. But also, I'm not even sure whether that would have gained the respect of Stoic. Which is kind killing of, a night fury. I think that would have. Oh no, it would it... have. The fashion, I think, he would have thought. Oh. I think Stokes are sort of one to go, ah, when you're doing it with your hands, you know, like, ah. <laughs> wow. Not, not like, you know, being a wuss and doing it with a catapult. Right. Machine. Maybe they would have had, um, like, by the second movie, they would have had many more gadgets, even more gadgets around the village. No. <laughs> <laughs> there would have been... so, it would have been. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I think actually, rather than Drago, he would have ended up being Saw. 
<laughs> and oh the, the world would have been more steampunk with no dragons. It would have been awful. <laughs> Lots of dragon heads mounted. Okay, this is making me sad. This is making me sad. I wish I hadn't brought it up now. Oh, okay. Go, going back to, going back to, wow. Okay. Going back to Valka though, what's interesting to note about her too is that in the TV series, they actually talk about her for a whole episode. Um, wow. Yeah, in, in, in the TV. Um, in the TV series, be, the one before um, that, the the two series that take place before uh, before How to Train Your Dragon Two. I can't remember if it was Writers of Burke or Defenders of Burke. One of was those seasons made, has a the second movie. It was made before the second movie, okay. and they talk about um, his mother. So, like, you do know that she disappeared when he was a baby. But the whole episode um, is takes place with Hiccup trying to locate this shipment of um, one of their traders that got taken by dragons and put on and to this island and everything. So they go and they locate the shipment because he was told by his the I think either his, the trader or Stoic that there's something in that shipment that came from his mother and everything, something that Stoic huh. had located that came from his mother and they do end up getting the shipment and bringing it back. And it turns out it's this dragon doll that his mother had stitched together for him <laughs> and it stitched his name on it in runes and everything. So you get the fact that Avalka did like dragons and like, so he tells Hiccup like, Oh yeah, you used to be terrified of this doll and everything. Cause it was a dragon and everything. And <laughs> it oh. would make you cry. <laughs> and so, so it, it was kind of cool that they, um, they connected the TV series in that way to the film and everything. When you finally do meet Valka and you see how much she, how connected she is with the dragons. I mean, it makes sense that she would create this dragon doll for her son. That's cool. And everything. Yeah. It was, it was really a cool thing. So it's a, it's a cool thing. And it's a cool thing for the fan, for fans that were sticking with the, movie outside of it and going into the TV series to pick up on and everything and to appreciate just these little nuggets <laughs> here and there. <laughs> no, it is interesting. I wouldn't have expected that type of close um, continuity. Yeah, they don't they don't I, work together. I, right. They don't work together, but they do check in with each other. According to Dean at one of the panels I went to, they do check in to e with each other to make sure they're not quote-unquote stepping on each other's toes. So they do work together to maintain the continuity. They just don't share the same crews and everything. And actually, um, out here, DreamWorks Animation, their feature studio and their TV animation studio are kept separate and everything. You have the feature studio, the feature campus by the Disney feature campus, and then you have the TV animation studio in this tall high rise in Glendale about five minutes away. Mm -hmm. And everything, so the crews are kept completely separate. They yeah. they have um, they have some cool people though working on the staff, which makes me want to watch the TV yeah. series. Like some storyboarders, <laughs> I really like. Yeah, uh, Emma Coates, who mm -hmm. is probably best known for um, she 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 was the person who who compiled that list of twenty two rules of storytelling from Pixar. Oh, nice. Oh. She was a story artist at Pixar. I think she worked on um, she worked mostly on Brave. I think. And then oh, afterwards, okay. she, she moved to DreamWorks TV. I think mm -hmm. she worked on um, one of the Dragon series there. Um, so it makes me want to check it out. Yeah. Um, it does. It looks fun. Yeah, it's 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 fun. They it, they have good crews over there, and so they take up two whole floors of this building, 
and everything. Oh. But yeah, and each like crew is kind of like sequestered amongst themselves and everything. It, it they're very proud of their work. They have like bulletin boards over there displaying their concept art and everything in their work. And to even get into the offices, you have to sign a non disclosure agreement. So. <laughs> Wow. I can't, I can't even like, I can't even talk about stuff that I see there. Also, because my friend terrifies me, because I know if she wanted to kill me, she could. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, no. Yeah. no. So the, the only thing that really, really turned me off about the TV show was, and I know this is kind of unavoidable, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't try to do a lo-fi version of the movie it tries to do the movie and it kind of comes short quite a lot they do they do they have a few good episodes here and there how i I mean yeah it's i mean that's unfortunate and kind of unavoidable yeah but for me that kind of says how beautiful the movie is it's really hard to retain that but as but considering like how difficult that is i'm really surprised at how much quality they've been able to retain they've actually been able to retain a lot more compared to other um, spin-off animated series. Of yeah, movies. definitely. Compared to like the Clone Wars, and yeah, it's yeah, like years ahead. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I actually, I'd like to talk a little bit about like the first movie and also the second movie, like the visuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, are amazing, and yeah. sort of um, famously on the first movie, are Roger Deakins, mm-hmm. who is the. Um, cinematographer who works like most of the time with the Coen brothers and he shot, you know, Skyfall and right. the assassination of Jesse James. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think prisoners most recently. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an amazing cinematographer and he was brought in um, as like a visual consultant mm. on the first movie. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and he was brought in as like a visual consultant on the first movie to really push the lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was really, because um, I watched the second movie last night and I was like, this one looks really good too. And as it turns <laughs> out, he was also brought for the second movie. Um, but there was, the, I mean, I don't, I don't really know exactly what he did apart from, you know, he's a master of, um, like, setting up lights. So I think mm-hmm. he, the main thing he encouraged, I know, on, on the first movie was that um, in CG, there's this tendency to, like, because you basically have to create everything, you mm-hmm. don't get like, bounced light, reflected light no. um, for free. You just, mm-hmm. like, you have to set up another light, which is the right color that you want, so it sort of diffuses properly. And mm-hmm. he... Apparently encouraged the um, the lighting team to use um, less light, wow. which is basically his his process in live action, and mm. it, I think it made the movie look really unique. I don't know it really exactly did. What they did, but you know, he worked on magic. Um, mm. But also visually, um, the dragons themselves, and particularly the um, the bewilder beasts. Yeah. Sense mm. of scale. Yeah. How- it's just awe-inspiring, just that sense of scale. and Especially There's when you watch it in 3D. How they're animated, in how they're lit, in how yes. they're filmed, quote-unquote filmed, you know, the, the compositions are set up. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of puts a lot of visual effects in live-action movies to, to mm-hmm. shape. 
Because scale is one of the hardest things to do in visual effects or animation. Well, and you look at... And you, get, you really a, get... Oh, go ahead for it. That's mm. <laughs> right. Well, I was saying, there wasn't a second <laughs> in the movie last night where I wasn't like, that thing is huge. <laughs> you know, because it just moves, like, with this great big, like, you know, it takes forever to turn its head because you right. can just carrying all this weight. Yeah. Um, I thought that was just amazing. Yeah, they they had so much weight. That's what I mean. Like that that monster, the almost classic monster battle scene. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I mean, wasn't that cool? Like, it, I mean, you really yeah. felt the weight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the, you well, feel the like, power. Yeah, you yeah. feel the power, and um, when you can really sense to give a sense, get a sense of the scale of the, those bewildered beasts too, and like several like really key scenes that really show off their massive scale. I mean, the I, I the scenes that come to mind are like when Valka and Stoic are hiding behind that huge thing of ice from mm-hmm. Drago's bewildered beast, and you kind of see it lumber by looking for yeah. them. And then also when Valka flies up with um, Cloud Jumper between the two battling bewildered beasts to stop them. And everything, and she nearly gets crushed in the process herself. I mean, it's just like you just get a sense of that massive scale. And also, when the Valka's bewildered beast is first introduced, and everything, and you see how small Hiccup is standing right. in front of yeah. the, in front of him. That's such a fantastic scene. It is. Hmm. Yeah, I just pulled out my Art of book of How to Train Your Dragon too, because of course I have it. Um, <laughs> this is I remember the first. I, I remember the first movie's book was like gold dust for a while. Um, uh, it was just like impossible beautiful. to find, and I like, have friends it. Of were, like friends of mine were like paying like fifty quid on oh Amazon for um, pre-owned. You know. Oh wow! Um, well, I have the oh. yeah. I have the second one too, and I actually I got it at um. I went to a panel with a bunch of the different artists from the film. So I have it signed from a bunch of the different artists that oh, worked wow. on the film. Nice. Yeah. And that was a really interesting panel to go to because they talked about the work that went on behind the scenes. And they also had this art show of how to train your dragon to art that members of the crew yeah. submitted and everything. And it was on display. So I have all these pictures of all this artwork and there was even an original piece from Dean Dubois on display. Yeah, this gorgeous drawing of Hiccup and Toothless just lounging <laughs> in a meadow. Um, and there's like, oh gosh, there's this one that's like just a bunch of sketches of Hiccup in different poses. And it's called, um, I think it was called A Bunch of Hiccups or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or The Hiccups. It's something like that, some kind of corny play on words. But um, yeah, it was it was yeah, really amazing. Design is yeah, is incredible. Is it um, mm-hmm. N- yeah. Nicholas Mar- Marley? Yeah, yeah, it's um, uh, Nico. No, Nico. Nico. It's Nico. Yeah. Nico. Nico. Mar- 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 Hang on, I can find it. I promise, I can find it. But it's interesting too how much like um reference footage they film for the character oh, yeah. actions, and they totally. they showed us this reel of like hilarious um references they shot. Like they even shot a reference for that scene where Roughnut like takes kisses her hand and slaps oh, it on right. on Aerith's right. um, face. They shot a reference for that, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's these two <laughs> grown men doing that scene. It's so yeah, no, funny. That, I mean, yeah, I love that. I, I love that when you get to see the the animator reference. That's it's, yes. it's so good. I mean, it really it. 
it goes to show because I don't think that people really get that necessarily. I, well, maybe no. a little bit more because there have been a, a lot in, included in special features, but mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much acting that goes in, yes. into it behind the scenes, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, I I love seeing that too. It really, um, yeah, it really drives that home, you know. Exactly, it really drives that home, and like they even have like specific areas at DreamWorks just for filming that reference footage, and yeah. now they use they use motion capture reference as well. Yeah, yeah, and everything totally. with mo- motion capture, so it's really, really quite astounding just how much how many how many resources they have available to them to really capture the essence of these characters and what they're going for as well. Right. <laughs> and then like it how really, much gets yeah. lost too. Mm-hmm. It really <laughs> adds up. It really does. And, but sometimes you lose some stuff along the way. Like, you know, that whole scene, um, the whole flashback of Valka's when she first met, um, cloud jumper and everything when he attacked um, <laughs> yeah. their home. And like, it's kind of funny because they, they, they showed us the reference footage from that. And when stoic comes in and everything you see, he's supposed to jump and he does this role and everything, um, as Cloud Jumper is blowing, uh, shooting fire at him. And the animator was talking about how he had, like, done all this reference footage, and then he had fully animated that scene, and then it went to visuals, and you don't get to see Stoic's role anymore, because it's behind the fire. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, aww. Yeah, and there, I don't, I can't remember if the, um, if this was DreamWorks or maybe it was a different studio, but I know that um, sometimes they also hire um, improv actors to do uh, different parts just to like give people okay. a, a sense of what the characters might be like. Right. Well, that sounds like this. That sounds like Disney because they did that. Yeah. That, that's probably um, more Disney. Oh, they, they did that at Disney with all of the old um, classics. Oh, you know, they're, that's they're, true. That's there true. are photographs yeah. of people mm-hmm. dressed up as like Captain Hook. Yeah, and, um, Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, mm-hmm. doing the stand-in and everything. But yeah, it, it, that's but, really but, amazing. But I feel like the animators of this movie really are like amazing actors. Mm-hmm. I, just, I love this. I mean, I I got to find out who animated it. But I love the scene where um, where Valka is making food just right right mm-hmm. after she's reunited with um, with Stoic, and she's making food. And he comes, he comes up behind her, and he does what he thinks is the most casual thing in the world, and just touches her arms. Yes. And her arms <laughs> sort of shake, and she drops yes. like a fish. Yes. Whoever came and that was that is is oh. um, is, you know, is a genius because it's it's just perfect storytelling, and and, and it really is. It doesn't, you know, it, it's it's not. It's just a little moment that's there, mm-hmm. and yeah. then it comes and it goes. But and then it segs into like the, the that whole gorgeous song that they sing um, for the dancing yeah. and the dreaming, and um, Dean had said like it, it, from the very beginning he wanted a song in there um, for the scene where you're kind of like watching your parents do something sweet but it's not corny, and he said it was really difficult to find kind of strike that balance and everything to find that and by working with um, Jonesy, the that uh, artist who's written. He wrote the credit song for How to Train Your Dragon, Sticks and Stones. And then he wrote the song that plays over um, the first light scene we see in How to Train Your Dragon 2, um, where, where, no, where no one goes. Yeah, yeah, Sigur Ross, yes. So he worked with him, and together they came, along with John Powell, I believe, they came up with that song for the dancing and the dreaming. And it's just this gorgeous scene, um, just watching these um, two reconnect 
over mm. what is their song. It's beautifully done. And also, um, mm. you know, what's quite, you know, I don't know if, I don't, I'm not sure if it's too fair to say, but it's quite on DreamWorks as well, that it's an in-world song. It's not like a pop song, which is going to be, you know, have a tie-in single. Thank God. <laughs> what is it? And, sorry. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. You know? No. Um, so I really appreciated that. And for me, like little things like that, really add up mm-hmm. to the world building you know like right. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know there's the moment in um is it wreck it ralph where there's like a pop song when he, he and um when when ralph and um vanellope are like training um oh yeah the rihanna song Shut yeah, Up and Drive. yeah yeah and it's just like <laughs> it really throws you out it's but, so out of place yeah, but in Dragons, there are lots of cool moments like that that really yeah. cement the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, the world building is is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. 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 Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I mean... Yeah. I mean, Blue Sky movie. does the same kind of thing. I, all of those um, bigger studios really... Um, add a layer of subtle acting, and it's something that's really mm-hmm. focused on at Animation Mentor too. Is um, is is that? I mean, that's part of what you do when you go through that program. Is you do tons of acting yourself, where you take like do like fifty takes of VO, someone mm-hmm. else's VO, and um, and kind of practice that because they um, they are they encourage that kind of uh, not just that sensibility, but um, like attention mm-hmm. to detail, you know, and, and not only polish, but then adding another layer of really, really, really subtle stuff. Mm. Right. It's just, it's really gorgeous. It is. Everything. Oh, there's so much subtle acting in this movie. It just yeah, <laughs> makes me so happy. Well, did oh, <laughs> to go on a completely different note? Did you guys catch the Game of Thrones reference in the movie? Okay, so you know how Arid is voiced by Kit Harrington, who plays Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. They, okay, so they throw in this very quick reference to Game of Thrones after, when they um, all arrive at Drago's encampment, and uh, Arid's thrown in the snow and he tries to escape, but he's landed on by Astrid's dragon Stormfly and everything, and uh, burrowed under the snow with Stormfly. 
anything, and Astrid tells him, don't you know anything? <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. Oh, nice. It's, it's a Game of Thrones reference when she says, you never take a do- toy from a dragon. Don't you know anything? So, That's yeah, so they threw funny. that little they, they awesome. threw that little bit in. Yeah, it's kind of a reference to Game of Thrones, which I thought was hilarious. I mean, but... No, it's like it's 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 like you blink and you miss it and everything. If you're not paying attention, you don't realize who voices Eret as well. But I mean, speaking of Astrid, one of the things I also really liked too is how they showed her relationship with Hiccup and how mature and stable it is and everything. <laughs> well, I'm not it was, like, it, ah! yeah. it was almost that way, mature and stable enough. No, like, I know. Not to really, <laughs> it was almost well, mature and stable enough. Not to really have anything to do in this movie, I thought. Yeah, it was like, it was people to like, they know they're able to rely on each other and they're, right. they know they're able to be themselves with each other and it wasn't overly done and everything. It wasn't. I felt she kind of got, I mean, it, it's so hard to, you know, when you have so many characters to balance mm-hmm. them. I right. would have liked to have seen a little bit more of her and Me a little too. bit of her and, um, pickups. Like relationship, because there's a lot that, I mean, the, the, the scene at the start, mm-hmm. where like, you know, he's trying to explain to her what Stoke <laughs> said to him, and she's taking the piss. It's really cute, and it's really yeah. funny, and you, and you really understand where they are. Exactly. You know, by the way it's played. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I would have liked like a little bit more, um, of that, but you know, it's, even with, and I think actually the Empire Strikes Back, um, mm-hmm. comparison really holds up. I mean, even with that movie, there are things where you go, oh, well, that could have been a little bit mm-hmm. more. But it's still a really good movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, I, I have to say, uh, that part between the two of them, I found slightly annoying. Um, really? But, yeah, I did. I, I wasn't so charmed by it. I was like, eh, whatever. Like, I, I don't know if it was the voice acting or what. Do you what. roll your eyes like, to the street of all? Huh? <laughs> no, it just you kind of bugged right. me a little bit. Aww, <laughs> no, but it now. did. But it also, it, it was kind of, but it was really played down. Like, I mean, the relationship was nice and everything, but I mean, it's not like there was time for them to have any kind of like extra controversy or anything extra happening in the story, but it was like, well, I like so played down. Like there was, right. I mean, she was already, she's the future. Her, you know, his future wife. His father says it at the very beginning of the movie. Like, yeah, that's, that's my future, future daughter. Daughter, <laughs> daughter like it's all planned out and all. Yep. You know, I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. It's like just part. It's, to me, the relationship is just like, like you know, just part the of given. the story. Like, yeah, exactly. Well, like it was a little. And bit I like that they didn't. I like boring. that they didn't. Yeah, I like they didn't that they didn't throw a wrench in it though, just for dramatic no, sake. Totally that was nice. not. Yeah, that was yeah. That was like way cheap. Yeah. That would have been yeah. such a cheap play. I would have been like, oh my god, are you kidding me? Yeah, she could have died too. She could have died along with... The- oh, I would have been so pissed. I would have been like, another hey, female death for the sake of a male protagonist. Great. Let's, let's yeah. drive his or- story forward by killing off his girlfriend. Or maybe Hiccup could have died and she could have been the chief because they do talk he about He nearly how- does, though. He nearly well, does. Remember they talk the about end. how she has- she's stronger than he is and all this stuff. Well, she is. <laughs> that would have been... <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> There's no argument there. I mean, they should have killed him. Smarter. <laughs> oh, I take, no. I no, no. Just kidding. Is, um, 
Craig Ferguson's character. What does he do? <laughs> Which character? Um, Craig, Ferguson. Craig Ferguson's character. Oh, he's so oh, good. Um, Gobber. I know he's so funny, and I love his like <laughs> his little throwaway line when they're him and Hiccup are w- watching Valka and Snow's reunion and everything. And if Gobber goes, "This is why I never got married." That and one other reason. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's so good. I know. I got to be honest. <laughs> I can't stand that guy. Really? Really? <laughs> I, yeah. I was so, okay. Well, uh, he, okay, it's it's fine for him to say things like that. In that moment, it's understandable. <laughs> the th- he started to piss me off when Valka and um, uh, Stoic are running away from this giant. Is it called the Bewilderbeast? The Bewilderbeast, yeah, the Bewilderbeast. <laughs> They're running away from that, and then I think in a really tonally deaf moment, they go, "Oh, um, hang on, what's the Craig Ferguson character's name?" Gobber. Gobba, yeah, um, they go, oh, well, this scene's getting kind of tense, let's throw in some comic relief. And it really, I, I don't like it because I don't believe that he would behave that way if he saw his king, you know, his chief, <laughs> um, so, in, in grave peril with, you know, um, with his wife. I don't think he would be like, oh, oh, oh now I've got to run this way. It's like, I, I don't know. I, I I didn't understand why he was there all the time, and I think he's gonna. I mean, he's a really small character as it is. He um, really but is. I, but I don't. He plays think a really bigger is. role in the TV series. He he has a bigger role in the TV series because in right. those first two seasons, he kind of is the mentor for the yes. the teenagers and on their dragon training because he is a dragon's expert. Yeah, he was used better in the first movie. To, yeah. To those, I don't know how he's gonna fit. And he's in. used better in the series. He's more of a comedic relief character than anything, and he was yeah. kind of a, a, a support for Stoic as well because he is Stoic's best friend. I had, I had honestly so. hoped. That, I mean, that was that was the only moment where I felt okay. The uh, and because you, you obviously you never know like why a thing has been done in a movie, whether it was mm-hmm. the writer, the editor, the executive. But I felt uh, that was the only moment where I was like. Hey, yes, they don't really understand what they're trying to shoot for, and someone has been like, "Oh, we need some, we need, we need a joke at this moment." Because that's probably you know, the that executives. Happens. Yeah, probably exactly. the executives. Like, uh, it's getting pretty dark. We well, need to put in a joke here. <laughs> it will cut, yeah, and, and yeah. So that was like my only. Fifteen point six seven minutes have passed. No. <laughs> joke, joke time. No, seriously, it <laughs> really felt like that to me. Yeah. Yeah, um. no, he definitely could have done without it, but I think that's more of like the executives mm. wanting it to be a little lightened up because it's a very heavy sequence and everything. I mean, you see Valka nearly get killed by Drago and everything. Yeah, but um, I wanted to feel. But my 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 issue with that is like I really want to feel that. But the, at the end of the day, Dan, you have to remember this is a film that's PG and aimed towards a kids demographic. It is, and um, so moving into like. One other, t- okay. One other tiny criticism I have of the movie, and I don't even know if it's criticism or just a worry. So, mm. the, the voice actor of Hiccup, mm-hmm. um, I think he kind of struggled in this movie to find a tone that worked when he was delivering the more serious lines, because his character really does change quite a lot. Right. Um, over the course of this movie. 
And the whole kind of like goofy, like broken teenager voice thing doesn't really work so well when the character you're dealing with is basically, you know, like a chief of a, a Viking village. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm not worried, but I'm interested how that might change, if at all, like for the next, for the third one, yeah, because he's a completely different character now from that kid who found Toothless in yep. the middle of it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the voice performance doesn't really quite reflect that. I think it'll reflect it in the third film, because, I mean, I'm sure, I can imagine they'll do another time jump, I'm sure. And do you reckon? That hasn't, that hasn't, hasn't been confirmed yet. I'm sure we'll see it confirmed within the next year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you and accents. Good point. I don't think he's going to be replaced though, because Jay Bruegel's very attached to that character of Hiccup. He's very attached. I mean, he. No, I know, but I mean, it's like it, it, really he funny. he does it he does it in the series and everything and stuff, and he's a pretty big name in the comedy world, so he wouldn't have to he wouldn't have to do that if he didn't want to. It, but he's stuck with it, and he. As did America Ferrera and T.J. Miller. Um, I think one other of the main cast stuck on for the TV series. I can't remember who. I know Kristen Wiig didn't. Um, that's the one she voiced Roughnut. I don't think I don't think she stuck on for the TV series. They had to get. They've had two different actors for her voice in this series. Actually, at my last count. Um, but yeah, <laughs> speaking of Roughnut, what did you guys think about her and the? Um, the two guys, Fish Legs and, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Oh my goodness. I can't remember his name. The, 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 the buff guy. Um, not, well, Eret too. Like her crush on Eret and everything. Oh, so funny. So funny. That moment where, where, um, it's not loud. There it is. It's not loud. It's not loud. Yeah, Fish Legs and Snot Loud's competition for her affections and her, like, completely being, like, grossed out by them and then she says air it <laughs> yeah uh clearly <laughs> yep <laughs> so it's like uh <laughs> oh yeah but no i think what i love is when roughnet first sees air it and everything and it's just kind of like this what yeah, she's like, oh, me likey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. The close-up on his, his sweaty what? arm muscles. Yeah. That's so funny. I remember the audience uh, I was with for the hour preview was just dying during that part. Yeah, like, so I think everyone was just laugh-crying. It was so funny. Right. Oh. And he shoots that out to capture her in the dragon, and she just goes, take me. <laughs> Crazy. So and her brother's just her brother's just completely like what? Yeah. <laughs> oh so man, oh so great. That that I think that was like the perfect comedic relief and everything was her complete enamorment of by Eret and everything. It was just, there were just so many great moments between them. I thought and everything for for what they had, and then in the end, like she doesn't care about Eret anymore. She like snot loud and fish legs when they save her during the battle and everything that whole part when they catch her 
Right. <laughs> and it seems like they've totally used it already. And they used, they did the same type of thing in the first movie, you know, and they right. introduce, but it just works. <laughs> it does. It, it works because it's so funny <laughs> and everything. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, moving ahead to kind of like the, the ending, the climax, when it's revealed that Toothless is an alpha and everything with that, that blue lighting yeah. and everything with that, that blue lighting. I remember when they reviewed, when the, um, he blasted out from underneath all that ice with hiccup and everything. Like when I saw when the, with the DreamWorks crew members who worked on the movie and so the theater just exploded <laughs> and everything. <laughs> Everyone was just like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is the best audience to see this with because you're just like so excited when that happens and you see it for the first time. It just, uh, yeah, I love that scene because it's a great, it's a great reveal because you're not expecting it at all. And it's, and Valka's been talking about how every dragon has their secrets. Right. And everything. And this is Toothless's big secret and everything. How he has his amazing power. <laughs> I gotta say. Uh, was that like was was there dialogue that sort of backed that up? Because I just sort of went, "Oh, cool! He's got like a he's." I'm sorry, I'm a Pokemon kid. Like he's evolved, you know. He's <laughs> no, um, it kind of is almost was, like an evolvement because he's he's the same yeah. age as Hiccup, according to right. his mother. And actually, that whole thing where like she figures out his age by the little flaps under right. his chin that was that was a fan theory that they did decided to make canon. And everything. It, it was, it was actually, they, they've actually, they've actually said that that was a theory they saw floating around on the internet because they were trying to figure out how they could, um, indicate visually Toothless's age and everything. And they saw that floating around and they were like, yeah, that would work. So they used it <laughs> and everything. And yeah. So, right. and, fun, it, fun yeah, and then totally. And it mirrors, you know, it just mirrors the same thing that Hiccup is going through and, and, uh, yeah, it's like the, they all, all the dragons have their own secrets, but it's, you know, they might not know them themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that, and that was part of what was conveyed yeah. when his mother sort of like, you know, yeah, found the magic on switch or whatever. Like, I know. The, the little secret tail <laughs> thing. I know. That was so funny. And he's so happy he has. Yeah. He's like, oh my goodness, them. look at yeah. this. I know. So good. So good. Like, check me out. <laughs> well, yeah, and then the like, well, then it okay. saves them too. Um, when you, they mm-hmm. kind of do that callback to that, um, the tale of the, um, the right. green death or the red death and everything in the first film. And that's how, what ended up knocking Hiccup off and causing him to lose his leg. And you see them flying up the tail of the bewilder beast and that huge end coming up and everything. And Hiccups goes, Oh no, not again. <laughs> and because H- Toothless has these smaller fins and everything that help them make that, uh, tighter turns, he's able to swerve out of the way in time and everything right, this really time. Yeah. yeah that's you know what I also yeah. love is the, um, the background, all the background, um, it wouldn't really even be secondary action, but it's like perfectly done. Like for instance, when, um, when uh, Hiccup's, uh, I forgot her name, his girlfriend comes over, Astrid. flies over, Astrid flies over, and then the two of the, the two uh, dragons meet each other, and yes. they do their sort of like, they then it's almost like bird reference, yeah. it's like two parakeets or whatever, they do this like head bob and yes. thing with the stick, and it's all going on in yes. the background. It's not, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's, lovely. Were, it's, it's beautiful, yeah. It's really animal because well. of yeah, and they, they were able to do that because of the new software, Primo. 
Yeah. That's what really enabled them to do all that background action, like that level of background action that you haven't really seen. And it, like, it gave you just so much for your eyes to play with. Like when Eret's on the ship with um, Astrid and, and Hiccup and everything, and you see him tossing that um, cylinder, uh, uh, Hiccup's mm-hmm. fire sword uh, over the ship and everything. And every time um, Stormfly flies off in the background and grabs it and brings it back like a game of fetch (laughs) (laughs) and everything just that little background action and era doesn't really notice it until about like the third time she brings it back to him and he's just like wait what (laughs) yeah it's really good oh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's primarily cat yeah, it's primarily cat, but there's that's the thing though with creatures that are imaginary is you can you can grab aspects from everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, and, and they definitely cat. do that. Yeah, it's he's mm-hmm. cat, but, he, but then he likes, but he yeah. licks, but he licks people dogs. Like yes, cats aren't, that, cats aren't that nearly that clumsy with right. their no. uh, affection. But then yeah. he's got like an amphibian type thing when he's walking up on two legs, like when he, he yeah. dangles hiccup over the, the cliff, like when he's angry yes. because they, that's almost like kind of a lizard. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then he, you know, and he grooms himself. That's like very mm-hmm. cat. And then when, during the play scene, it's almost like a bird, <laughs> like kind of bird. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Really fascinating stuff. I mean, they're really good at integrating that kind of like quick comedic um, acting too. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, what, what about that scene in in the first movie <laughs> um, where well, I can't remember anyone's name? Um, the Craig Ferguson's character, um, Gobber. It's Gobber when Gobber has the the mug of ale and he's like drinking it and then he's done with his his ale or meat or whatever he's drinking and he can't believe that it's done but it, and yes. at the same time as he's talking like his tooth falls out and he's yeah. just like his his viking cap <laughs> that he he's sticks the back on to, yeah to hammer it back right. on he's the cup. exactly right <laughs> gang, gang, gang. So funny. it was hilarious oh, and, 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 they, and they carried that joke over into the second movie um, uh, in, in the, like, the dragon, like, hospital sort of workshop thing. Yeah. Hammering a dragon's tooth back in. Yes. Oh, wait. That's right. <laughs> the dental yeah, work. Yeah, he, yeah, he does the yeah. dental work. Cause he's kind of like the go-to for the sick dragons and everything. Cause he, he's the expert. Everything. Uh, but yeah, but then you like, jumping back ahead too to like, I, there's one shot that I really, really like that always just kind of, takes my breath away and it's that shot that happens right after um hiccups able to get toothless to snap out of the control from the bewilder beast and everything and um toothless basically swipes drago off his his back and then drago is falling and hiccup toothless is falling and hiccup leaps off his dragon to fall towards toothless and you see this shot where it's pulled away and you see the huge bewilder beast and you see their small silhouettes falling and it's just this gorgeous wide mm-hmm. shot that really it, it really encapsulates the scale of that scene and the power mm-hmm. of that scene and everything and just how hiccup trusts that he'll be able to reach toothless and everything right. and how far right. how far he's willing to go for toothless and everything he's willing to literally risk his own life <laughs> and, right. and they do his dragon. great Right, and they do such a great job of foreshadowing all of that in the beginning scene, mm-hmm. and they sort of practice that um, 
free dive before the yes. the, the bat wing or the bat outfit or whatever that yes, exists the flight in suit. <laughs> the flight suit. Um, yeah, they, they sort of yeah, they touch on that. I love that intro scene too. That whole yes. I mean, that, talk about taking your breath away. The whole water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so amazing. Like yeah, oh yeah, just, just beautiful. It is beautiful. And like just the whole reveal. I mean, I know we saw it in the trailer, the flight suit and everything, but it's still really cool so when they cool. reveal it. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's like the, the level of hiccups contraptions have really improved at this totally. stage. Cause when he, he has a flight suit and then he has his fire sword, which he doesn't use as defense, but he uses right. it as a way to connect with the dragons and everything mm-hmm. and everything in order to gain their trust before he approaches them. And I thought that was really cool that it wasn't right. really, uh, it wasn't really a weapon to him. And it's something that his mother kind of does too, like with the, yeah. or the staff and like in, yes. in the movie and stuff. It's very similar. Yeah, it's very similar. They each had their own way and like, I mean, and like how she realizes, how she observes him doing this before she does it herself and everything. Yeah. It isn't, it isn't until she sees that scar on his chin from where, um, Stormfly uh, I mean, not Stormfly. Ugh, I'm thinking of Stormcutter, and then I think Stormfly, and I mixed it up. Um, Cloud Jumper nicked him as a baby, and everything. That's mm-hmm. when she realizes, oh, that's my son. <laughs> and everything, and then it's just that really beautiful moment of like, oh yeah, I'm your mother. <laughs> <laughs> a mother never forgets, or whatever. <laughs> I know, and you're just like, and just like hiccups, like it, intake of breath, like. <gasps> And I'm like, oh, my God. But then it does this sharp transition to Stoic and Gobber in the middle of the Arctic over the ocean. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I, that always that always kind of that transition always kind of takes me for a loop because it doesn't feel right. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I felt like they should have just gone straight to Hiccup chasing after his mother and stuff instead of to that scene with Gobber and Stoic. So it's one of my few nitpicky things about the movie. <laughs> Very few nitpicky things I have. And so, yeah. (laughs) What's yours, Chris? (laughs) What? (laughs) What? Yeah, let's hear him out. Let's hear him out. Hear him out. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I watched the movie last night, the second one, um, with someone who hadn't seen the first one. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I found this human. Yeah, um, and, and he kept on saying, uh, how come all the other dragons are rubbish? <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, I, I get it, but I kind of like it because also, you know, it's, it's animation and, mm-hmm. The dragons don't have to look like every other dragon in the movie. They kind well, of have some fun with it. And well, they're all they're, they're all unique looking and everything. I think it's like you can see a dragon, you can go, "Oh, that's a that's a um, a storm cutter. Oh, that's a night fury. Oh, that's a that's I mean, a red death. That's a hideous zippleback. That's a gronkle and everything. Like, you can unique. just see. Yeah, I, I think I think that 
of a type, though. You know, they're, they're, they're very purposefully designed, like, the less important dragons are, tend to be much rounder and have, like, mm-hmm. um, like Stoic's dragon a little bit more, um, you know, t- tend to be, like, a bit rounder-faced and mm-hmm. just generally a lot more cartoony. And see, I, but yeah, the thing, I, I see the what thing you're saying. That, yeah. Yeah, um, the thing I like about the dragons too is how they their designs kind of match their who they're with and everything. Because you look at the the rumble the rumblehorn um, stoic dragon and how like domineering it looks, and then you look at Grump um, Gobber's dragon and how it's kind of like lazy <laughs> and everything, and this big guy. <laughs> yeah. And everything. Yeah, it's oh. like a giant bear, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and then uh, Stormfly Astra's dragon, very sharp. And everything, but also gentle when it wants to be. And everything. It's just, it's just interesting how the dragons match match up so well with their owners, and I, I think that was definitely something they took into consideration when designing them mm-hmm. as well. I, I, I think, I, I think, I mean, to put it this way, um, Chris, I would say, if you were to show me a picture of one of the dragons out of context, I probably wouldn't have gone dragon. I would have said like, oh, it's a flying monster. <laughs> is, is, is that kind of what your head is at? Like, they're not the most dragony dragons. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, that's on purpose, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tell you what though, I fell in love with those babies. They were so funny. <gasps> Baby dragons are so cute. You guys, have you watched a new one? Please tell me. Please tell me. I love how their eyes are like um, goggly eyes. They just Mm -hmm. like, they're all over the place. They're so cute. Have you guys watched Gift of the Night Fury? The Christmas special they did for How to Train Your Dragon? Oh, that whole thing. If you like the baby dragons, that's one to watch. Because that's when Hiccup discovers the baby dragons. And everything. Um, yeah, cause like the, all the dragons, they just mysteriously leave the island, including Toothless and everything. And they're all distraught and everything. And then Hiccup manages, he, I think he catches a ride on one of the dragons that, um, oh yeah, Fishlegs was keeping his dragon hidden away, trying to prevent her from flying off. And Hiccup accidentally discovers her and gets like stuck on her back <laughs> as she flies off and everything. And that's how he discovers this island where the baby dragons are. And everything, so he um, works with the other dragons. It's it's kind of a little out there and stuff, but um, it, it's cute, especially if you like the baby dragons. If you want to see more baby dragons, Gift of the Night Fury. And also, it's a really cute um, story between Toothless and Hiccup. And also, Astrid has a pretty big role. She tries to make um, their Christmas is called Snoggle Tog. <laughs> um, and she tries to make it a new snoggle tog tradition where they take these dragon eggs that they found 
and plays them um, in the homes of the the children and everything. And then she finds out later that the eggs explode. (laughs) (laughs) And out come the baby dragons and everything. So it's it's this hilarious moment of revelation for her when the first house kind of catches on fire from this egg explosion and everything. She's just so horrified with herself. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, Yeah, so check it out. Another How to Train Your Dragon thing (laughs) for Christmas for the kitties. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, as as yeah, as we do wrap it up, uh, does anyone have any ideas or hopes or predictions for the next movies? It's going to be a tearjerker. I'm bringing tissues this time. <laughs> Right. I don't think there ever is going to be one, though. I think it truly is Hiccup. I mean, I truly think that Toothless is the last night fairy. And everything. And that's like, it's a kind of a, a storyline that's kind of been continued on in the TV series is Hiccup trying to find um, more night furies and everything in the hopes that Toothless isn't the only night fury left and they mm. still remain unsuccessful. To, I've, only, I've only read half of the new series Race to the Edge. But to, up to that point, there's still no more Night Furies. I just immediately what is went it? to Muppets in Space. And like, what? <laughs> oh Muppets in Space, but it's relevant because when it's revealed that, like, in Muppets from Space, it's basically revealed that Gonzo is <laughs> an alien. And he, you know, it's like, he's like, oh, I must, I'm the only one. And mm-hmm. no, he's not. He's, you know, one from a race of those, you know, blue things. And it kind of cheapens it a little bit. It's it's way better to think of Gonzo as being, um, you know, one of a kind. Just a thing. Exactly. And exactly. that being and the thing he has to cope with. And I, I think, I, yeah, if they can keep that up with Toothless. I don't think they would. Yeah, I don't think they're going to find any more Night Furies because I agree that would cheapen it. In a sense, and everything, unless the fact that they find more night theories ties into the whole explaining why dragons disappeared, why they do not exist in our day and age. No, 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 no. I would feel so betrayed, but and I don't think I, I think after like reading things that Dean has written and hearing him speak and everything, and just how passionate he is about this project, I don't think he would do something as cheap as that. I really don't. So I, I think I think we're safe. I mean, it, it's going to be a darker movie because, like I said, one of the things they keep pushing is it's going to explain how the dragons disappear. So I do predict that it's going to be. As dark, if not darker than this, How to Train Your Dragon too. Also, Hiccup and Astrid will be married. <laughs> That's my other prediction. I mean, we know they're going to be married and stuff. So, who knows? And that there will probably be another time jump. Uh, my prediction is ten years this time. 
it would make sense. My, it, it would make sense. It would be, I think the time jump would be between 10 to 20 years because it would make sense for it to take place in their 30s or 40s. Like you have families and everything and stuff. And then I think it would make it all the more tragic if they have these children and everything and they've grown up with these stories of dragons and grown up with the dragons and then all of a sudden they disappear. Mm. Or they can't have children. And then that would be even sadder. Oh. Then, they, no. then it mirrors the whole um, toothless, like, being alone type thing, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that would... Exactly. That would make it even I could, worse. I, yeah. I could see them opening the third movie with toothless already gone. Yeah. I and think Because we already know that's going to happen and everything. Because, like I said, they keep pounding on that out. So it would be, it would be sad to kind of open up at the ending. Hang on, so, 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 so when you say like the dragons are all gone, mm-hmm. is this meant to really have happened in our world and like it's, it's kind it's, of the uh, idea. Cause if you right. read, if, well, if you've been reading or like you've read any of Cressida Cowell's books and everything, it does, I haven't either, but I've talked to people who have. <laughs> um, but the, <laughs> the ending of her series, it, it is, um, it's working towards explaining why dragons don't, exist in our world in our day and age and they want to match up with that ending for the films oh. so yes exactly yes that is yeah you know that the dragons are going to disappear you just don't know when or why or how and that's what they've been building towards and the films are going to have that same culmination. What that same I could see game is, and tying into the fact that um, uh, Toothless is now Alpha, mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. Toothless is going to get this responsibility as well, and be like, I my people need me, and he's going to have to like go off and. No. <laughs> yeah, I, don't worry, I'm not writing it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought, I just had this great image of Toothless, like, just looking at Hiccup all seriously and just saying, my people need me. I must go. <laughs> in his, yeah, in his dragon voice, his dragon voice, dragon speak. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah, sounds like Scooby-Doo. <laughs> all the dragons fly off into space, like the dolphins in Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Chris, right. I guess Poochie was kind of exactly what I was doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I could see that happening. Like, Toothless having his own responsibilities, saying, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I gotta go and be the king. Something's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Oh man, who who knows? I mean, it'll, I'm really interested to see how they write the story in order to tell how the dragons disappear because it's a it's a really big thing to tell and everything. And any way you play it, it's going to be sad and everything. Hmm. I don't I don't think he would. Right, right, yeah. He's not doing any more after that. Mm. See, 
if they do that, it would kill the whole franchise, I feel like. Because how do you continue on after Dean culminates the story with this whole big thing where the dragons disappear? I mean, I just, I, I hope they don't do it. Because, I mean, they did that with the Shrek franchise. You saw how long they drag it out, drug it out. They still drag it out. And the Shrek films definitely diminished in quality after the second one. I mean, the second one was still good. And then the third one is just a wreck. <laughs> Like, the only part I liked about that was the medieval high school, and that was it, because it was just, it was hilariously done, but that was about all I liked about the third one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it, folks. <laughs> Go That's all, folks. Maybe. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Maybe there's an asteroid. Let's, let's, let's no. see you make a movie with characters that are dead. <laughs> that would be the worst if everyone died off. I would cry. <laughs> I mean, I already know I'm. I already know I'm going to cry. I get very emotional around these movies, but um, <laughs> everyone knows that they want to make me cry. Just put on How to Train Your Dragon or one or two. I'm a, I'm a wreck yeah, are, afterwards. They are very emotional. Maybe there'll be a a volcano eruption. No. Well, we already kind of had a volcano with the first one and everything because the the. The Green Death or oh, the Red Death. That, that, that really big one. They keep calling it a Green Death or a Red Death, and I don't know which one is true. It's one of those. Um, but um, I'm going to go with Green Death because the dragon is green. Um, but it lives in a volcano. so. Right, that's true. That's true. Yeah, but, I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen. I mean, there's a lot of not-so-great, not-so-nice dragons that, they sh- that show up in the TV series and everything mm. that they really have to deal with and everything like um a bunch of whispering deaths burrow beneath their village and nearly destroyed all, all of burke and everything with their tunnels and stuff um they have these other dragons <laughs> called change wings that are completely invisible until they're going to attack you <laughs> with acid <laughs> i mean there's some pretty no, frightening nice. dragons <laughs> yeah there's oh yeah we can nice see to see some of those i guess i mean i, I haven't really i only watched uh just a small portion of, I really just only saw the two movies. I just watched a small yeah. portion. Yeah, not many people stuff. watch. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Maybe say them get mixed in to the mix because you do see a lot of the dragons that, um, they showed in the first two seasons of the TV series in How to Train Your Dragon 2, primarily in uh-huh. that first flight scene. You, 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 like the, um, the thunder drums and, Oh gosh, I can't think of all of them, but I remember sitting there like, oh, I know that one. I've seen that one. I know what you do. Like a total <laughs> dork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, is it, there it's a, just, hmm. Is there a video game, um, franchise as part of like a fighting dragon type Pokemon or? There are some games. There's, there's a game based off the first film for the consoles. I don't know. I don't think they made one for the second film though. And then there's a mobile game where you kind of, um, train your own dragons and collect wood and fish and send toothless and hiccup out searching for things. And I will admit I am addicted to that game. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I check in on that game every day. Um, oh, that's <laughs> I do, I do. I haven't even found half of them yet. Um, but so yeah, funny. so they, so they do have their, um, they do have some games out there. Nothing, I wouldn't call it a video game franchise, but I would call them more like two video game tie-ins. 
Gotcha. I can't think no, of any I was others. Because I mean, it was obviously it seemed like it was set up for it, and I know that I got really hooked on um, that new um, that, that World of Warcraft um, pet fighting <laughs> what? little mini game. Oh yeah, it's really Hearthstone. Fun. Um, is it Hearthstone? Yeah, it's part of. There um, it is. Oh no, I didn't play Hearthstone, but this was in the game in the expansion. There's a whole um, pet fighting. Uh, you oh, train the pets and you yeah. hit them against other people online and um, right. I got really sucked into that for a couple, mm-hmm. good couple of weeks <laughs> and had to um, I uninstalled the game actually <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. I, I couldn't I couldn't stop, it was really really fun <laughs> oh man, that sounds but awesome it, it's just, it seemed like the um, you know, watching a little bit of um, the Legends it seemed like it lent itself, you know, exactly to that type of thing, you know. Yeah, I haven't heard anything like that. Oh, the other thing they have is School of Dragons, which is kind of like more of an educational game for the kids, which is nice. Uh, it, te- it teaches them, like, some science. And, oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah, like nature science and chemistry and all that has, like, little mini lessons mixed in with games, which is, it's good oh, for kids. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, so that that's their other big thing, uh, video game-wise. Yeah, that's about it that comes to mind. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, can can I do one final thing? Wrap it up. Chris. (laughs) One final thing. Um, so the, the, the village or like the town that they, that they live in, um, (laughs) I, I'm pretty sure that that's an in-joke. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's uh, an in-joke with rhyming slang. And if it is, it's one of the rudest names that the village could have. (laughs) I'm not going to say anything more. Look up. Okay. Berkeley Hunt is uh, rhyming slang, and that's where you get the word Burke from, which is like, which is like slang for like idiot. But Burke. Well, considering they're called the hooligans and everything, I think is their tribe name. Yeah, Chris, I'm pretty (laughs) sure that Burke is named after Berkeley Hunt. Hmm. Oh oh my gosh! (laughs) I'm not yeah. gonna say that out loud, but oh my goodness. No, well, uh, no, that's why I skirted around it. <laughs> good, good, uh, good, wise move, wise move, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That will see, to... <laughs> see you next too. Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Um, if anyone else is interested, like, look it up. <laughs> uh, were, they, uh, were they originally Scottish or English books? Uh, they're, they're English books, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there's no way that she didn't know what she was doing there. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) That's so funny. That's hilarious. Wow. Yeah, um, look it up. (laughs) Don't, don't let your kids look it up. (laughs) It means they're, they're strong. (laughs) Yes. Yes, that's totally what it means. Strong and hearty. Yvonne's right. (laughs) Opposite of scrotum. Oh my gosh. 
<laughs> okay, sorry. It's animation for adults. Is that yes. my is that Can we at least please retain like a small minuscule shred of our innocence and naivete? <laughs> like just a shred. <laughs> I can see. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hamu. You can find me on Twitter at Shieldmaiden or Tumblr at Shieldmaiden5678. I'm on Twitter at Eisner underscore Inc. And also go to animationnights.nyc to submit your short film. <laughs> yes. It's just, just no, no one else's brain goes to like, like, 
draining the risque place on the when you hear that. I'm the only one who's like draining your dragon. Yeah, my my brain immediately went to tuna. Like tuna. Like cans. Yeah, like you know, like you drain tuna if it's in some Oh like, yeah. Like cans dragon. Yeah, a can of dragon. A can of dragon. Yeah. That's very interesting. Wow. <laughs> you have a very interesting mind, Dan. <laughs> hey, come on, you only should be getting that treatment. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Who me, little old me? All right. <laughs> you haven't done it yet, Chris, have you? Sorry, we just like been. Come on. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> All right. Shh.